Hey, if you think you might be lost because you got lots of new thoughts, I'll be informed. Or if you're feeling like a fool because you've been used just like a tool since you were born. Hey, if you're trying to get through life, then friend, I've got some great advice for not growing horns. They say that ignorance is bliss, but if you knew, then you'd be pissed, so get informed. Welcome to a Leftist Lit Podcast. I am a host, Colin Orton, he, they, with me is... Al Gropey, a host, birthday! My pronouns are birthday, baby. <laughs> it is, it is Al's birthday. Happy birthday, Al. Yeah! That's the only mention I'm going to make of it, because we're talking about a very serious, depressing topic on this. Oh, boy. My day of birth. Don't you love rights getting rolled back? Mm. makes me feel great makes you feel great about having a uterus uh, the republicans today. are on the fucking offensive yeah uh so real quick before we get into the news to introduce the text today we are going to be discussing the article from dissent magazine called reproductive justice not just rights uh by dorothy roberts who's written a couple books that sound amazing including one on uh this specific toll of reproductive crimes basically on the crimes against reproduction then their specific toll on black women um and this book this article was penned in 2015 before trump presidency and way before what we're going to be talking about today so it's uh, going to be a little bit of as colin said earlier interesting parallels but first um so we have a couple different sections of news here uh Let's start with news from, I think it was yesterday. Uh, so a, an internationally famous journalist, uh, Shireen Abu Akhla, uh, who I hope I pronounced that right, uh, is an Al Jazeera journalist, was murdered by the IDF. Oh, God. Like, uh, they opened fire on her and anybody who tried to help her, like people who tried to get her out of the gunfire after she'd been shot, they shot at them too. And then blamed Palestinian militants, quote unquote. Uh, Just in the middle of the street? Like this yeah. was a targeted, oh my it God. It was an assassination. Yeah. And then they, and then they blamed Palestinian militants. And today Abu Akhla's funeral was attacked by the IDF as well. Oh my God. Where they struck her pallbearers with clubs as, uh, as yeah. Oh my God. As they marched through the street. Yeah. It is extremely fucked the IDF is murdering people like journalists. They've been murdering people in broad daylight for years, but they just assassinated a journalist. Jesus fucking Christ. Which again, yeah, that's, that's the gold medal for journalism (laughs) to die for it. It's a bullet. Yeah. Fuck. So in some U S news, uh, would you rather go for, uh, law enforcement news or Joe Biden news? Cause they tie into each other, but I'd rather go for a drink, but I guess I'll take the law enforcement news first. Okie dokie. So you're familiar with immigration's customs and enforcement, right? Wish I wasn't. Uh, Yeah, they are evil incarnate. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) there was a study, a two-year investigation released by uh, the Georgetown Law Center on Privacy and Technology. Okay. And that was released on the 10th of May. And they found some fucking alarming things. Uh, 
Namely, uh, Nina Wong, a policy associate at the Center of Privacy and Technology and a co-author of the study, said, quote, I was alarmed to discover that ICE has built up a sweeping surveillance infrastructure capable of tracking almost anyone seemingly at any time. ICE has ramped up its surveillance capacities in near complete secrecy and impunity, sidestepping limitations and flying under the radar of lawmakers. Jesus. California has attempted to make this illegal twice. And each time ICE used private data gathering firms, which operate legally in California, to bypass those laws by simply purchasing the information from data brokers. Fuck. Um, Fuck. Among other findings, this is just the quote uh, from the LA Times, quote, among other findings, the report documents that ICE has driver's license data for, for three in four adults living in the U.S., has scanned at least one in three adults' driver's licenses with face recognition technology, can track the movement of vehicles in cities that are home to nearly three in four adults, and can locate three in four adults through their utility records. That's, I always forget that utility records are technically public information. I hate and even that. private information can be purchased from data brokers if they are able to get their hands on it. I fucking hate that we live... In a society where... In a society. Well, yeah, just... And it's right there. <laughs> well, no, no, you are correct. Yeah, just like, oh my God. And they found a way to do it legally. Not mm-hmm. they wouldn't have... They would have still done it if they had to do it illegally. But like, Jesus Christ. I try and justify it. Just try. Try justifying having an intelligence network with that capacity with what is the supposed function of your organization. It sucks that like California has been trying to stop this. Well, it's, I mean, honestly, it's kind of encouraging that they're at least trying to stop it. It sucks that they cannot apparently, but at least they recognize the issue. Yeah. Uh, Alison McDonald, another co uh, author of the report said, uh, who's also a research fellow, by the way, said, uh, quote, ICE has been able to build massive surveillance capabilities without needing authorization and without congressional oversight. That they have been able to build such an expansive infrastructure in relative secrecy, uh, relative secrecy is setting an alarming example for how federal agencies can evade scrutiny. Shit. Yeah. I mean, not a precedent, though. The FBI already said that precedent. <laughs> well, remember, also, ICE can suspend your civil rights within 100 miles of a border. Yep, I do remember that. And oceans count as borders. So not only can they track 75% of Americans through either uh, utility records or driver's license records, so not only do they know where you are, but you do not have rights where ICE is concerned. Make it make sense. When other people have these, they are secret police. When we have them, uh, they're protecting your rights and your freedoms. (laughs) <laughs> you know, by restricting them. Speaking by of them when other people's, when other places have this, it is a failure. And when we have it, it's just the free market, baby girl. Um, <laughs> over 40% of America's baby formula supplies are out of stock. Oh. There is a massive, yeah, 43% uh, of baby formula is out of stock in the United States. Oh Do you hear Dylan God. fucking cackling in the background, by the way? <laughs> I bet it's a knowledge fight. Um, <laughs> oh, fuck. Did you see that article on a tangential note about a woman who 
her baby died in a police car chase because she was being chased down by the boys for stealing baby related like materials. She was just trying to get like baby stuff and then the baby died in the car chase that ensued. That it's, fucking ugh. It's not about life. It's not pro-life. It is pro-control anyway. <laughs> So part of the reason that this uh, shortage is happening, according to NBC News, is because a uh, key production facility in Michigan shut down Mm -hmm. because of an FDA and CDC investigation following reports of contaminated formula that were linked to the deaths of at least two infants. Jesus. Well, good thing it was shut down then, but why was it producing 33% of the country's formula? It's that may be just part of it. Um, but that's the the major uh, source for for why this is happening listed on NBC News. Also, um, some states have out of stock rates of up to fifty percent. Specifically, Texas, Tennessee, Missouri, Iowa, North Dakota, and South Dakota. Oh my god! While twenty six states have out of stock rates of forty to fifty percent. Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's really bad. Um, it's extremely bad. Did we go through uh, the report? Uh, the New York City Civilian Complaint Review Board report? I cannot recall if we have. Okay, Uh, so I'll make it brief then. So the New York City Civilian Complaint... uh, Fuck. The New York City Civilian Complaint Review Board, the CCRB, uh, reached its statute of limitation on May 4th about... uh, on investigating NYPD malfeasance during the George Floyd uprising. Nope. There should be no statute of limitation on that. It's still ongoing. (laughs) The targeting that happened during the George Floyd riots is still occurring. An investigation by Gothamist. So I'm just reading from the article here. Quote, found that staff members wanted the agency to be more outspoken about the difficulties that investigators faced in identifying officers and that the agency did not follow its own protocols on investigating uh, police misconduct during large protests. What? This is the complaints board? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. CCRB staff, quote, uh, have voiced concerns about a lack of cooperation from the NYPD. Several investigators who spoke with Gothamist but did not want to be named out of fear of retaliation said officers often covered their shield numbers, that the police department did not keep detailed records on where it was sending officers during the protest, and that it was often slow to turn over evidence. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Eric Adams' office did not reach out for comment on whether or not they would be granting access to the CCRB on the uh, body camera footage database, which means that the CCRB does not fucking have access to body cam footage. They do not have direct access. They need to ask the NYPD if they can see body cam footage. And the NYPD often just drags its feet so that that statute of limitations hits and then it doesn't matter. What the fuck? You shouldn't be able to filibuster a subpoena. I know I'm probably using the wrong words, but you know what I mean. Um, so on May 4th, also, the Senate approved a motion to uh, remove $8 billion from the Green Climate Fund from House Science and Tech Bill and instead use it for Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency uh, to build weapon systems to compete with China. What? Oh my God, we are 
Are we entering a second Cold War period? What is this? Uh, uh, Those people who run our country would desperately like us to, yeah. Who does that benefit? Uh, The military-industrial complex, the surveillance state, the prison-industrial complex, the military. Oh, yeah. So so the people that spend the most money and therefore get the most rights. (laughs) Correct. Speaking of which... Um, President Joe Biden from NBC News will urge states and cities to use unspent money from last year's one point nine trillion covid relief package to. And this has all been a quote, but I'm going to say, quote, to really emphasize this last line here, quote, to fund crime prevention programs and hire police officers. Fuck off. Fuck directly off. So, yeah, Joe Biden is planning to i don't think he he has done it yet but uh a senior administration official in a call with reporters said quote one of the reasons why the president wants to speak now was both because we were approaching another summer and he wants to stress the priority of using these dollars for public safety and violence prevention stop rioting stop rioting we're we're just going to hire more cops that's literally what we're approaching another summer means is Uh Uh-oh, civil unrest season is coming. Time to hire more police with COVID relief money. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck. uh, Also, this isn't something that I had in my news segment, but the, um, so we just spent, uh, we just sent $40 billion to Ukraine, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So that was actually coupled with a COVID relief bill. Oh, wait, what? So the, the spending, the two spending bills, money for Ukraine and COVID relief were put together. They were coupled. Okay. And Joe Biden encouraged their uncoupling so that the Ukraine money could be passed through right away. And then we could fight and compromise and cut the COVID relief budget as much as we wanted. Uh, I have, I have thoughts. A, I mean, we've been knew that Joe Biden was pro cop from the second he used the law and order dog whistle in his speeches fucking in his election campaign but also the violence that occurs every summer is the same is proportioned as shittily as it always has been by cops and abusers to marginalized people the violence is never like uh, also yeah the protests are almost entirely non-violent uh till the cops come till the cops show up well and then the cops do violence to the protesters exactly that's what i'm saying yeah Yeah. fucking uh so 4.5 million americans quit their jobs in march good for them which is a record everyone real everyone is beginning to realize that it fucking sucks speaking of things that fucking suck uh the alabama house of representatives made it a felony to Basically, for a doctor to prescribe puberty blockers or hormones or perform gender affirming surgery to a trans person under the age of 19, a felony punishable by up to 10 years in prison. What the fuck? It is effectively now a felony for trans people who are who happen to be minors in Alabama to exist. What the fuck? Medically, like if they if they need that, like gender affirming health care felony if you're a minor and studies don't okay i mean i can't quote the specific studies right now but correct me if i'm wrong in the notes but don't studies literally show that the sooner a trans youth receives gender affirming care the better for their long-term mental health 
I wouldn't be shocked. I'm not familiar with those studies. Well, because like it's so much harder to feel affirmed in your gender after you've gone through the the opposite sex's puberty. Like the sooner you can get on blockers, the easier your transition is going to be. I feel like I've let me let me let me Google this to make sure I'm not completely talking out of my ass. Um, there's also don't say gay language in the bill, uh, which actually goes farther than Florida's, uh, including grades K through three. What the hell is going on in the American South right now? And we're seeing all of those things about like introductions of it's bills. Not just to make- the South. Well, yeah. Idaho had uh, basically a full abortion ban before the Roe v. Wade, yeah, thing, which true. we're about to get to. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here's here's an. Oh wow! This is just published yesterday. What the science for gender-affirming care for transgender kids really shows. Laws based on completely wrong information. (laughs) Yeah, okay. After skimming this article, I was in fact correct. uh, American conservatives making laws based entirely off of vibes? No. No, it's not like the lack of of access to gender-affirming care is associated with higher rates of suicidality, depression, and self-harm. No. It's almost like that's the point. Yeah, fuck. And then like, all those new bills they're going to propose they, about making want, IUDs illegal. Have you seen that? They want to make it impossible for trans people to exist in swaths of the country. And to make matters worse, the, the um, language where anyone who, you know, refers to themselves in like a gendered way that isn't precisely cis <laughs> as a groomer and all homosexuals as pedophiles yeah uh that that language is it's genocidal yeah and like they're you know they're the republicans are going to do massive violence that is their explicit goal yeah speaking of which uh judge alito had a leaked draft decision where he basically said that the right to privacy does not exist and therefore roe v wade does not exist so that's the basis of his saying that Roe v. Wade should not be a thing. Is that privacy? Yeah, the right to privacy is not strictly enumerated in the Constitution. What does privacy have to do with one's womb? Well, so Roe v. Wade was actually that's the right to privacy is what allowed the Roe v. Wade decision was I thought essentially Fourteenth Amendment about like um, the right to personhood. No? Yeah. Uh, Colin is shaking his head, which means I'm probably wrong. We should Google this now because we're about to talk about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're, you're right. Provides a right to privacy that protects a woman's right to choose whether to have an abortion. I don't understand that logic. Um, Basically, it's you have the right to the government not snooping around in your body. Is uh, yeah. um, That's at least the idea, I think. But it was the due process clause of the 14th Amendment that they used that right to privacy. But it's an inferred right. Oh, my God. And so because it's not strictly enumerated, Alito says that it doesn't exist and any rights there, uh, like any rights generated from that don't exist, which he said that this would only be used for Roe v. Wade in the draft opinion. Do you know what other rights are based on the right to privacy? Just hazard a couple guesses. Um, oh gosh, uh, Miranda rights? <laughs> no, uh, the right to gay marriage. 
What the fuck? The right to contraceptives. Oh my God. And the right to have an interracial marriage. Yeah, I have seen a couple people bringing up that if we're breaking down the right to privacy here, or like, I mean, I have seen a little bit of whataboutism with this, but it mm. is completely logical whataboutism in that if we are questioning this aspect of the amendment that justifies. I don't even all- know if that's whataboutism, because generally whataboutism is defending something. It's, mm. you know, if you're attacking something that I'm defending, instead of launching a defense against my thing, I can simply go, well, what about something you like? Oh, I was thinking of. Uh, oh, I guess there's a different logical fallacy name for it of the like ascending, like, well, if we do slippery this now, slope. then would you say I slippery, slope. slippery slope? Yes, you are correct. Which like, I don't think this is even fallacious slippery slope simply because the Republicans constantly fucking lie. They lied yeah. about not wanting to repeal Roe v. Wade for years. And for some reason, the Democrats believed them. Well, they didn't. But, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Why would you use your 47 years of, it wasn't that long, but why would you use your decades of opportunities to codify Roe v. Wade when instead you could fundraise off it? That, you know. Yeah. The the Democrats have been completely fucking useless, uh, even to such an extent that uh, Gavin Newsom of California came forward and said, and I quote, where is my party? Unquote. After, uh, after that draft opinion was leaked. Because when when Gavin fucking Newsom comes forward and is like, damn, the Democrats really. Yeah. When Gavin fucking Newsom is like, damn, the Democrats really dropped the ball here. You know, something's up. <laughs> like I was actually kind of impressed with Gavin because, you know, he sucks 95 percent of the time. But that oh boy, the bare minimum. Also, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling here, but Alito's uh, draft cites uh, a yeah a 17th century uh, English barrister named Matthew Hale. What the fuck? In a couple decisions he made uh, as, you know, precedent for why abortion shouldn't be allowed. For reference, Matthew Hale had two women burned to death for witchcraft. What the fuck? Actually, I don't know if they were burned to death or not. I, they may have been hanged. Burned, stoned? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you can't use... Oh my god! He sentenced them to death. I don't know if he had them burned or not. Yeah. Yeah. Amy Dooney and Rose Cullender. I stand with Rose. <laughs> yeah. So, just for reference, the uh, Samuel Alito was quoting the "kill them for witchcraft" guy in his Roe v. Wade uh, opinion. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, the unfortunate thing is, too, that like because of the way that all of these southern, not just southern states, and I will correct myself on this because Idaho, Montana, I think there are uh, 26 or 30 states that have trigger bills. Yeah, about I've had, I've seen a couple bills from like Alabama and places about making IUDs illegal, about making There's 13 condoms states illegal. that have uh, trigger bills, but basically the conservatives, there's 13. Um, as far as I know, there may be more now, but the Republicans are frantically trying to create as restrictive bills as possible in their individual states so that, you know, when one of them goes before the Supreme Court, they can use that essentially as a cudgel to murder American democracy. 
which by the way has been dead forever it never really existed but yeah. you know to to murder the last crawling vestiges of american democracy uh we never really had one but you know uh, the illusion of one yeah it also feels like a lot of these legislators haven't taken like a basic law ethics class what Something- does ethics have to do with law Legal ethics was a required course for my philosophy minor. Legal ethics. I so there's I mean, so the Democrats and the Republicans have always been playing different games, right? Yeah. And this generally is the case between liberals and conservatives. Liberals tend to play a game where they don't even necessarily want to win, they just want to keep playing. And that's that's how the Democratic Party's been operating. They just want to fundraise they don't actually really care about winning the game while Republicans fucking play to win. And uh, unfortunately, people's lives. millions of people's lives are at stake and the Democrats uh, are asleep at the fucking wheel. I mean, hell, even a couple of years ago, Nancy Pelosi was like, the tent of the Democratic Party is big enough for anti-choice Democrats. We, well, let's we well, have- what else yeah, do we I'm have? I'm sorry. Uh, that's it. That's it. I've just been rambling because I'm really pissed off all the time. Uh, and <laughs> that's my Twitter bio. That should be your Twitter bio. <laughs> the Democrats did try and get a bill codifying Roe v. Wade into law through the Senate, and it was defeated uh, 4951 because a certain Joseph Manchin uh, voted against it. So, yay. I'll bop him on his man chin. Fuck you. Got him. Got him. You really showed him. (laughs) Uh, I've been rambling and I've taken up way too much time, but we can start on the article because this ties in beautifully. Yeah. Let's talk about choice rhetoric. So as we discussed earlier today, we are going to be going over the article Reproductive Justice, Not Just Rights by Dorothy Roberts, which was published in Descent Magazine in the fall of 2015. And... The brunt of this article, this article, um, this article is, I am intoxicated. No, I'm not. Um, But it's fun to say. So the brunt of this article discusses like the rhetoric of choice and how calling the pro-abortion and pro-reproductive rights movement pro-choice actually like limits its functionality and cuts out the whole reproductive justice aspect of it, wherein it, we shouldn't just be advocating for the right to abort. We should be advocating for like ending forced sterilizations or coercive reproductive care as a lot of people of color, primarily black women and Hispanic women have to experience like our, those not have to, but like have experience at the hands of our country, especially the historical sterilizations of women who didn't understand English in like the eighties through the early two thousands, I believe. Or as happened as recently as, you know, a year and a half ago in detention centers on our Southern border. There's a lot about women in incarcerated women, like, and how their reproductive rights are stripped. Um, I have a great, I want to read this block quote from it uh, real quick. Go for it. I've we... read, I've, I've hit my quota of quotes. It's all you chief. <laughs> Your quote quota. Uh, um, this just basically gets to the heart of what the article discusses. 
For too long, the rhetoric of choice has privileged predominantly white middle-class women who have the ability to choose from reproductive options that are unavailable to poor and low-income women, especially women of color. The mainstream movement for reproductive rights has narrowed its concerns to advocate almost exclusively for the legal right to abortion, further distancing its agenda from the interests of women who have been targets of sterilization abuse because of the devaluation of their right to bear children. And the article also touches on the fact of uh, the eugenics side of a pro-abortion argument and like how actual reproductive justice is about not just choice, it's defending women's lives. It's defending people's right to have a life that they can support. And so, as we said earlier, this article was written in 2015. So before the Trump presidency and before, obviously, this recent Roe v. Wade overturning debacle. So if we think about this in a modern context, uh, on one hand, I absolutely agree with everything that Robert says in the article about how choice rhetoric makes it like it almost makes it seem lower stakes than it is. And it takes away a lot of the agency of women of color who experience women of color and low income women who experience the reproductive side of the legal system differently who have had different issues with it and who need to be defended in different ways. And it also handicaps the women's rights movement because it's not just about choice. It's about life. It is a pro-life stance to be pro-abortion because you are pro-supporting the lives of people that can't afford, who literally a child for people can be a death sentence. I have seen countless testimonials from women uh, and a lot of whom are in different countries, but a lot of whom are in America as well, that say, if I had a baby right now, I would be completely handicapped. I've heard stories of women who have, who knew people from their community that killed themselves while they were pregnant because the alternative would be raising that child, which would essentially end their life. Like Jesus Christ. Yeah. It is about so much more than just choice. And even if it wasn't, <laughs> I'm gonna have trouble being coherent. Same. No, you're you're good. Uh, another positive to reframing the pro-choice movement as the reproductive justice movement is that it gives it the more of an ability to mobilize. Uh, in that, when the pro-choice movement, when Roe v. Wade was passed, and the pro-choice movement latched on to just the legal right to abortion, they didn't actually fundraise for access to abortion because it was primarily middle-class white women. And they were like, great, we can already afford abortion. So sucks for anyone that can't. And it's not about contraceptives. It's not about child care. It's, there are countries that literally give you a gift package and paid leave when you have a kid born. Like, they're like, hey, here's some basics to support your baby. Fucking never in this country. America I'm sorry, is, I think, ahead. one of seven countries that doesn't include maternity leave as, like, a basic right. <gasps> it's, yeah, it's really incredible. Also, like, many, many countries uh, include at least partial wages during the duration of your maternity leave, several include 100% pay for the entire duration of your maternity leave. Many countries also have maternity and paternity leave. Absolutely. Uh, we don't do that here. That's not what we're about. In capitalist America, no, never. There's also something, let me see if I can find this Mitch McConnell quote, something that's deeply unfortunate about the nature of American history and of the Republican Party. 
is that not only are the outright eugenicist uh, policies enacted against uh, like womb having people of color pervasive throughout American history and continuing to this fucking day. But you can also see the overtly sort of, you can see some overtly racist motivations in things like the repealing of Roe v. Wade as well. So for example, let me find this quote here. Uh, I'm going to do the accent. If I was looking at ways to have an impact on the country that I thought would be good and positive, this would be the way to do it, McConnell said in this interview this past week at his office on Capitol Hill. This is from uh, Washington Post, by the way. Quote, majorities change. Taxes go up, taxes go down. If you prefer America right of center, which I do, and you're looking around at what you can do to have the longest possible impact on the kind of America you want, it seems to me, you look at the courts. Fuck the America you want, McConnell. So it's majorities change. Taxes go up, taxes go down. If you want America right of center, you look at the courts. You see, you see what he's implying there about majorities change? Oh, it's the fucking... It's great replacement theory. Oh my fucking God. I mean, we should have known coming from McConnell, but fuck. Let's, okay, also, you touched on something there I want to touch on a little bit more um, in terms of uh, the eugenics theory and everything. Another argument against calling the union the the movement pro-choice that Roberts discusses in the article and against the primary focus of the pro-choice movement being access to abortion is the sort of like ableist take that it takes sometimes in that like people are like well what if you're gonna have a baby with a fetal anomaly or with a disability and it's like it's discriminatory language and like there's a lot of discriminatory language around like a disabled child's right to be alive. Um, and there's a great quote about it and how to recenter it into a reproductive justice framework. And here I'm going to read real quick. Moreover, pro-choice groups have used the quote tragedy of fetal anomalies as an argument for supporting abortion rights without considering discrimination against people with disabilities or the potential for alliances with disability rights activists to improve the well-being of women and children or the history of approved therapeutic abortions and unapproved elective abortions. The liberal notion of reproductive choice aligns with a neoliberal market logic that relies on individuals' purchase of commodities to manage their own health instead of the state investing in health care and the other social needs of the larger public. The rhetoric of choice obscures the potential for reproductive and genetic selection technologies to intensify regulation of women's childbearing decisions in order to privatize remedies for illness and social inequities. While we should point a finger at right-wing legislators for creating wedge issues, the dominant framework for reproductive rights advocacy has created colossal political chasms within the left all by itself. Just like the left is a mess. Um, But when we recenter our language to be in support of all different kinds of people and we take out things like, uh, it's just just about pointing out in a new way that pro-life does not mean pro-life. You know, like the rhetoric around the freedom of choice for fetuses with fetal anomalies and like to abort or not to has been 
severely ableist for a long time when actually we should be talking about getting more systems of support to young parents with children that are disabled. Like we should talk about supporting more people so that maybe there's not such a scary thing. I mean, I think it's important to remember that the Nazis based their genocide programs on ours. Yeah. Like like the, the Nazi eugenics programs were based on ones that had already been running for decades in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, we are like the United States is a monster as far as uh, especially disability rights is concerned. Yeah. You um, know who else is? A, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, so this is from a The Nation article uh, that I'm going to be posting on the Twitter eventually uh, because it's really um, it says much better than what I was trying to say. Uh, and it goes into a lot of, it, it has a lot of quotes from like, um, Tom Metzger and a bunch of, you know, fucking Klansmen. And I won't read that here because it's really upsetting, but it does quote an Alabama law passed in May of 2021, uh, which, you know, basically banned all abortions. <laughs> in the state of Alabama long before the Roe v. Wade draft leak. But um, here's a direct quote from the law. More than 50 million babies have been aborted in the United States since the Roe decision in 1973, more than three times the number who were killed in German death death camps, Chinese purges, Stalin's gulags, Cambodian killing fields, and the Rwandan genocide combined. Now quoting from The Nation, The framing of abortion as Holocaust demeans the significance of the Nazi Holocaust, in turn feeding anti-Semitism already interwoven in the movement. This is especially nightmarish because uh, basically the deeper you go into the sort of anti-abortion rhetoric, the more it becomes a they are trying to wipe out white babies to foster the Great Replacement. It's anti-abortion shit only picked up as a right-wing talking point after the civil rights movement. Fucking Because they needed to galvanize white evangelicals. And it fused beautifully into neo-Nazi conspiracy theories. And that is another place, basically, you know, the 70s, is where the modern Republican Party was born, as the perfect mixture of far-right Christian theology and actual fucking Nazism. You mean uh, Mitch McConnell? <laughs> well, Mitch McConnell, I think, actually doesn't have much of an ideology. <laughs> I mean, I think he's—I think he's a conservative ghoul, but I think he is a Bush era type ghoul, where he will do whatever is necessary to stay in power as long as he gets to wield power to kill brown people. Yeah, like he's a huge piece of shit, mm-hmm. but he is more of the patsy who gets killed in order to get the Nazis into power. Like, he's a casualty of the Knight of Long Knives type politician. Okay. <laughs> like, I guess that's the, comforting. <laughs> yeah, he's the Ernst Schleicher. This oh, shit sucks. This shit uh, sucks. This shit fucking sucks. Let's also just briefly touch on incarcerated women, immigrants, and trans folk with uteruses. Like, oh my god. Yeah, the the conditions under which people have to give birth in American prisons are beyond nightmarish they are horrifying we already know the conditions of american prisons are horrifying can you imagine also the number of women who have been abused by prison guards and are pregnant as a result 
not to mention forced sterilizations at the American border, uh, which, uh, you know, Joe Biden campaigned on stopping our program of terror and internment on the American border and has since increased uh, deportations by, I think it's uh, like nearly tripling what Trump was doing. Yeah. And remember when we read that article about uh, they using a COVID era policy to keep more yeah. people at the border for extended That's period. the one he uses for his deportations, too. Oh, fuck not that. that he is, you know, not that Joe Biden is personally deporting these people. But, you know, it's yeah. it's he declined to eliminate that bill or at least declined to enumerate enumerate. Fuck me. Decl- he didn't stop it. which means that it is now his fault yeah at this fucking point yeah and then on to touch of okay so a lot of people a lot of trans people with uteruses um a lot of trans masks with uteruses will choose to have a child and absolutely all for it but for a lot of trans people with uteruses who choose not to go on t for one reason or another contraceptives are gender affirming care like and of course we know how this country are you under 19 yeah. <laughs> Your doctor's getting fucking 10 years in prison for that. Yeah. <laughs> fucking hell. I was talking to somebody about this recently and um, it's going, I mean, it's going to cause huge problems for these states. Uh, but Mitch McConnell, to circle back to Mitch, did say that a national abortion ban was, quote, possible, unquote. No. They're going to try it. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing so many of these states not just make abortion bills or make bills forbidding abortion and forget, uh, forbidding the existence of trans people, but they are doing it in hopes that one of them will be picked up by the Supreme Court and used to shatter uh, protections in other states. There is a, a slight ray of sunshine. Um, let me see if I can find it. I'm very sad. I have another quote while you're finding that. Please, please, um, yeah. Just to, I know we're only barely touching on the article, but it was mostly because we chose an article with which we could jump off to talk about this Roe v. Wade issue. Yeah. Um, but I do think this holds true for basically my thoughts about the issue in general. The galvanizing impact of reproductive justice extends beyond these mobilization and coalition building strategies. Uh, she has enumerated a couple before. The movement articulates the rationale for reproductive freedom in positive moral and political terms as a requirement for social justice, human rights, and women's well-being. I would edit that to be uterus havers well-being. Reproductive justice activists treat abortion and other reproductive health services as akin to the resources all human beings are entitled to, such as healthcare, education, housing, and food in an equitable democratic society. Imagine having an equitable democratic society. Holy fuck. (laughs) Never in this America. There was a great tweet that I saw uh, that was like people on the ground in Russia say that, you know, they are drip fed stories of a glorious past while they are bombarded with constant cynicism and despair. Uh, And then somebody tweeted like, damn, imagine living in a country like that. (laughs) (laughs) I can. (laughs) Um, so I think this will actually slightly, uh, raise your mood a little bit. So Connecticut just passed uh, house bill 5414, which, uh, makes Connecticut a sanctuary state for people, uh, medical professionals 
who have performed abortions in other states. Yeah. Essentially, it makes it impossible for other states to sue somebody who is currently in Connecticut oh, hell for yeah. performing an abortion in their state. Hell fucking yeah. Moving to Connecticut. Let's get it. Um, abortion records are protected from being discovered in other states and prohibits Connecticut law enforcement from cooperating with other states' law enforcement about abortion crimes. Hell fucking yeah, because you know they're all the same blue line. Mm-hmm. Fuck. That does make me feel a little better. Yeah, that's really encouraging um, that at least I, you know, unfortunately, this is like one of the first bills of its kind passed since the Fugitive Slave Acts. Uh, like this kind of it's really good that this kind of bill is getting passed does not speak to the the place the country is at being yeah. a good one like that we have to have a fugitive abortive bill <laughs> yeah and now uh, i don't know if house bill 5514 well, is the newspeak article goes a lot about um uh doctors but doesn't necessarily mention people or at least on a fast read. Oh. Sorry, the, 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 you know, when you open up a news website and it plays really loud in your ears by surprise. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it also protects, uh, 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 it also protects patients. Hell fucking yeah. So if you need to flee to Connecticut to have an abortion, as it stands currently, and we'll see what the Supreme Court has to say about this house bill, um, but as it stands currently, they cannot send people to retrieve you. Hell fucking yeah. Yeah. It's, you can move to Connecticut if you want to have an abortion and you live in Texas. But again, that financially is not something most people can do. Well, yeah, that's the shitty thing. To quote the article real quick again, just because it's Please, please. Yeah, got to bring it back. <laughs> I was got to bring it back. Um, the basically... Uh, let me, I'll quote the beginning. In January 2015, the leaders of five black reproductive justice organizations launched a national initiative called In Our Own Voice, National Black Women's Reproductive Justice Agenda to mobilize black women, initially highlighting three key policy issues. And I think that these, these three key policy issues with some expanding upon, like encapsulate reproductive justice. They are abortion rights and access contraceptive equity and comprehensive sex education Mm -hmm. like yes (laughs) and i just that's really what we need absolutely it's always black women black women are fucking amazing i mean yeah they're you know the, the forefront of most social movements in the united states yeah and the most progressive like the most progressive voting block in america oh big time absolutely can't trust a white woman in the voting booth. I say as a white, sometimes woman. I mean, sometimes yeah, woman, not sometimes I, white. <laughs> I'm always I, white. You know, I'm a white mask and those are, uh, uh, the oppressor. So <laughs> oppressor with an umlaut over the O. Yeah. Uh, well, I have a couple of, one of the things is, you you know when this country gets fucky that there's always going to be some funny TikToks about it. That's what's been... Wow. 
<laughs> uh, here's two funny TikTok takes that I've heard recently. Someone said, hey, you can use the stand your ground defense if you feel threatened by that fetus. If we're considering abortion murder, uh, he's on your property. <laughs> you can you just that fetus be a standing he's trespassing <laughs> you're just railing in my home my body is my palace yeah, and then i heard another you... funny one that was Ugh. from the same person that likes to do those how to make conservatives think that your liberal views are more conservative than their conservative views and it was uh listen so if my fetus is my body is my property right so my fetus is my property i will do with it what i choose <laughs> <laughs> like, this baby is my property i don't I, support that in real life but i find it yeah, hilarious no it's very funny to use well i mean that's the fun thing about fascism is as we discussed in i think the first or second episode of this podcast ever the ideology is not internally consistent never of course not because it can't be because it's stupid but <laughs> <laughs> you're trespassing in my womb Go on now, get. Um, I really um, think that's about it as far as the content mines for the day. Yeah, I'm my. I just want to. I want to stop talking about this because it is all I've been able to think about. Understandably. Uh, yep. Oh boy, things are things are going to get bad soon um, mm-hmm. in this country. Oh, I I have a quick trip to the Scamalier. Trip to the Scamalier. Hit hit me with it, dog. Sheesh. Uh, it's time for a trip to the Scamalier. Uh, as I mentioned on the last podcast, my my fucking boyfriend, love him to death. Uh, <laughs> my fucking boyfriend. Oh my fucking partner who I adore. Um, he is cheating on us with another couple liberal podcasts and. He did yeah, say this is a liberal podcast. We love the free market anyway. No, 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 sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, this is a comedy podcast. Uh, um, but uh, he actually said something that made me so proud of him the other day. He was like, I think I realized that one of the podcasts I listen to, they're like hardcore Democrats. And I finally get what you mean when you say that. <laughs> I'm like, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he has been, I have been listening to will be wild, which is a true crime documentary style retelling of the events of January 6th. I mentioned last uh, yeah. week on the pod, but I have actually listened. I'm all caught up now and it is really fucking awesome to listen to. It's depressing as hell because they go through every fucking way that it was mishandled and to the point that people knew this was going to happen months in advance. Oh, of course they fucking did. Yeah. The FBI, they discussed literally journalists knew months. Go for it. Sorry. No, you're, you're correct. It, It just really, it starts with like low level bureaucrats that were like, and especially they go into a lot of like um, anti-terrorist organizations that specif- that specifically work in, in the country terror knew about this for months mm-hmm. and have been publishing memos, internal memos for months about the danger of domestic terrorism and that this is what that is. It's just wild. It's a really great podcast. Uh, they actually interview a lot of people that were like, the people who knew first it was going to happen. They even interviewed the son of one of the, uh, was he, was he the son who turned his, who turned his dad in, who turned his dad into the FBI. They interview him. We remember him. Well, no, it's just, it's a really great series. It goes in really depth and it's, uh, 
it's just really interesting to hear how many people were trying to warn the government that this was happening and the government just actively did not care. Memos were not sent or were rewritten. Or um, it also talks about the, you remember how there was that whole coalition of people in the white house that were like, we are the secret undercover white house trying to prevent Trump from destroying the country. Like yeah. they interview a couple of those people. And they talk about like, so what did you try and do to stop this? And they're like, well, you would be surprised of the number when Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's Clarence Thomas's wife straight up was one of the organizers of January 6th. (laughs) Remember that? I do. I do. Oh, but there's a funny story. A a White House aide, um, Trump wants just completely derailed a meeting that was supposed to be about something else because he was like, I want to put a moat around the border wall with snakes in it. <laughs> with like snakes and crocodiles. And they had to talk him down from that. Like the White House. I will House say, <sighs> he was our funniest president. <laughs> like, he didn't like, mean to be, I, but he was. Joe Biden would never have the gall to put a diet coke button on the on the the what is Mm. it the indomitable desk the fortified desk the imperial desk whatever the fuck it's called that that stupid fucking desk he put a diet coke button on it that is funny kind of fucking funny that's like what a six-year-old says they do as their first act as president like joe biden he does a lot of the same evil shit but he doesn't have the sheer pizzazz to put a crocodile filled moat in front of his genocidal border wall, you know, oh the, 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 like, I'm going to do a big racist thing, but I'm going to do it like a Saturday morning cartoon villain. is such a like, cause we have so much of the racist thing anyway. Mm-hmm. I miss when it was done in a funny way. <laughs> With a little panache. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it feels awful to say, but just will be wild. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple podcasts. It's really interesting. And at times it's just really funny and sad, but mostly interesting and funny and sad. I have been Al Gropey, uh, no pronouns. Don't refer to me. Um, you can find me on Instagram at al.grows. I'm actually going to get an official like actor Instagram soon, actor podcast or Instagram, but that is my one right now. And if I ever fix my website, it will be under algropey.com, not Allison Gropey, because I want that name to die. Um, what about you, Colin? I, I am uh, Colin Orton Heave. You can find this podcast at Leftist Lip Pod on Twitter. Send us hate mail at gettinginformedpod at gmail.com. I do other stuff sometimes, uh, like I did a podcast with Kit fairly recently, and I'm gonna, yeah. we're gonna record another episode of that soon. Hyperfixate? What was it called? It's, uh, it's like, uh, yeah, Hyperfixate Pod, I think. It, it's about the psychotic research projects we do when, because we're not too busy doing all of our other shit already. <laughs> um, yeah. The last one was about uh, the history of Dungeons and Dragons and the mafia in Las Vegas. Variety. We don't tell each other. We don't tell each other what the what the scheme is beforehand. Well, this sucks. Goodbye. <laughs> Love you, Liz. <laughs>